0: The following is a CA original. Pouncer, the Palm Squad, pre- and post-game parties on Beale Street. It's all part of the Memphis Tigers basketball game day experience. This is the Tiger Basketball Podcast.
1: What's happening, Tiger basketball fans? We are back for another edition of the Tiger Basketball Podcast. I'm Mark Giannato, commercial appeal sports columnist. I'm joined, as always, by our Tiger basketball beat writer Jason Muns. Apologize for the uh, week off, unexpected week off in podcast. I was my my entire family was under the weather, including myself, uh, so we missed you last week. But we're back, uh, coming on the heels of a very impressive two game road trip by the Tigers. They go out last weekend in Atlanta. Beat Auburn for their most impressive win of the season to date, and then last night, we're recording this on Wednesday afternoon, they uh, take Alabama, number four Alabama, down to the wire in Tuscaloosa, lose ninety one eighty eight. But uh, you know, I'm, I'm maybe some others disagree with me, but I came away from it uh, really encouraged about what this team is and and what it could be the rest of the season. So we will break down what we've seen from this Memphis basketball team uh through 11 games, particularly these last two. This uh these last two tests if you will. And uh we'll get you ready for Saturday's last sort of big non-conference game at home against Texas A&M, a chance for uh the Tigers to really uh close this non-conference schedule out with what I think would be a better record than a lot of people anticipated when the schedule came out, uh, you know, whatever it was three, four months ago. So lots and lots to get to, uh, months. Let's start here. Um, what to you is your biggest takeaway? What did you sort of learn about this team or what did, what do you think was the most impressive thing they did? Um, during this two game stretch, what did they prove in beating Auburn and losing to Alabama by three points?
0: I mean, uh, like it's not, it's nothing revelatory uh, really. Cause Penny has uh, Penny kind of talked a little bit about it last night. Um, after the loss against Alabama, I forget ex- the way he worded it exactly, but you know, like they, they can stand toe to toe it feels like as we sit here today that memphis has enough not only on the court but on the sideline to stand toe to toe with pretty much anybody um
1: i believe i believe the phrase, the way he phrased it was we can compete with anyone
0: yeah and, and I, I don't think he means just on the court. I think he means also, uh, on the bench, uh, with the, with the coaching staff I'm talking about specifically. And, um, I, yeah, I think it's like kind of all encompassing that, that statement and, you know, like it, it's, it's never going to, as, as Kendrick Davis said, after the, the win against Auburn, we're not flashy and he's right. Um, they they are not going to go out and be the type of team say like an Alabama that goes out and hits 10 three-pointers in a game and that's like considered an off night potentially for you know for for that team uh you know like they're not going to do that they're not going to you know just wow people with you know crazy athleticism or Uh, you know, it's going to be like dirty work. It's going to be very, um, do what we got to do to get the job done type of stuff. And, uh, but like, you know, that's okay. Um, and, uh, and yeah, I mean like that to me is the biggest takeaway after the, after the last two games is that, is that Memphis can, can, you know, on any given night hang with just about anybody um in the country and uh that's you know like they're going to do it their way and whatever it takes to to get the job done they'll they'll do it and or they'll try and um yeah like i just feel like uh i feel like that is why people should not be discouraged i mean th- like yeah there are discouraging things 1 for 17 in a college basketball game um
1: like yeah, that's, well,
0: that's, that's not good. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, a, a, how many times they turn it over against Auburn, turn the ball over against Auburn. Um
1: I want to say it was like 23, something like that.
0: Yeah. Let's see here. Uh, 19 times they turned the ball over against Auburn, but they still scored 82 points. Um, last night they turned it over 10 times and scored 88 points uh, on the road against the fourth
1: team in the country. Last night they shot. One of twelve from three-point range and scored eighty-eight points. Um, no, what what I what I've taken away from this these two games is I, I thought all along I've said this consistently. I thought it in the preseason, I said as long as DeAndre, as long as Kendrick Davis and DeAndre Williams are healthy and this team plays good defense, I thought they were going to be the second best team in the AAC, and I thought they'd be a tournament team. Well, now I would amend it slightly. As long as Kendrick Davis is healthy. And as long as DeAndre Williams can stay on the court and this team plays good defense, I think they can give Houston a run for their money in the conference title race now. After watching Houston and watching this team, and I'm not saying they're the favorite, but I don't see much difference between this team and that Houston team. I know Houston's got a better ranking, quote unquote, but like Houston's very similar to Memphis this year you know has some issues sometimes offensively tough as hell rebound you know plays good really good defense rebounds the ball um and so that's how i kind of look at it and i see i see a team also you know they're now 8 and 3 if they can beat texas a and m on saturday you're looking at probably going 10 and 3 in non-conference play which you know i think is better than i certainly than i anticipated when this schedule came out now Part of what's happened is, you know, unfortunately, and I don't blame Memphis, they tried their damnedest to put together a really tough schedule. Some of the teams on the schedule haven't been quite as good as you hoped they would be. Um, And that just happens sometimes. But I also think when you look at the rest of the AAC, it's not very good this year. The league is not very good. And I suspect this team is going to rack up wins in non-conference play. I'm talking like 15-3 and or better. Um, if you look at Ken Palm right right now,
0: what's that? You mean in conference play?
1: Yes. Excuse me. In conference play. Um, if you look at Ken Palm right now, Memphis will be favored in every game the rest of the way, except the two Houston games. Okay. And, um, I, I think this team, the way they're playing and yes, they have some glaring weaknesses, but I think they know what their weaknesses are. And that's key. I think. I think they've got enough. They do enough stuff well, where they can offset some of those weaknesses. This is not the NBA. You don't need to be a great 3 three-point shooting team to make the NCAA tournament. You can get around it uh, in in college basketball. And um, you know, when you have a player like Kendrick Davis, and he was magnificent in these two games against Auburn and against Alabama. You know, you're going to have a fighting chance against anyone you play. You know, certainly in the AAC, you're going to have, you know, with him, you've got a, an advantage, you've got a player no one else in the league has. But I think, you know, you saw last night against Alabama. You have a guy like that, you don't even have to do some things, like, perfect. And you still have a puncher's chance to pull off an upset because you've got this guard who can, you know, score on just about anyone. Um, so I just think there's a lot of really positive ingredients. I, I really enjoy watching this team play basketball. And I think they've got a chance, the way I phrased it in my column at CommercialBill.com, I think they've got a chance to be the best Memphis basketball team in years. Years. Like, I think they're going to get more wins than any Memphis basketball team's gotten since maybe like those Josh Passner teams the last couple years he won the NCAA. He got to the NCAA tournament. Like I don't know if they'll get to the thirty wins. That's a tall. That's you know that's you know the, like that's going to be a tall task. But like you know you go ten and three, 10 and three in non-con and fifteen and three in conference play, twenty five and six. I think is a very realistic record for this team. That'd be better than any Memphis team in a long time. And I, and that's that's sort of how I look at this group. Yeah,
0: um, I mean, kind of going back to what you were saying before about. Um, you know, their prospects as far as like contending for the conference title. I mean, I think if we've learned anything over the first 11 games, it's that the gap between Memphis and Houston is nowhere near as wide as Mm -hmm. most everybody thought it was before the season began. I mean, you know, listen, Houston's very good. Don't, don't get that twisted at all. Um, but they are not flawless. They, uh, Scored what forty nine points in a five point win against Kent State. They uh, had to. What was it they uh, They only had fifty three points in a five point win against St Mary's, a St Mary's team that. One second checks notes. A St Mary's team that has lo- has losses to Washington and New Mexico, include and, and as well as Houston um, this season. Uh, so I don't like, I just, I don't get the sense that Houston is quite as far. I mean, a lot of people, I mean, Houston was number one in the country for crying out loud just a week or two ago, whatever it was. Um, and I just don't think the gap between Memphis and Houston is as wide as, as, uh, as a lot of people thought it would be. And and so I do, I think that that is going to make for a very potentially a very, um, Good record by the by the time it's all said and done. Uh, great record, uh, mm-hmm. you know. I I, pre- I predicted before the season started that Memphis would go sixteen and two in conference play,
1: mm-hmm. and I
0: predicted that they would split with Houston. So I think they probably got you know they'll they'll I, I I'm going to hang on to that. Like I still think they're going to split with Houston. I think they'll lose to like maybe Cincinnati or UCF or
1: there'll be a-, a game or two here, or here there where some team shoots the lights out, plays the game of their life on the road. It just happens in conference play once or twice a year, even to the best teams. It just happens. by and large. It just happens every once in a while.
0: Right. The law of averages will get you, but, but you know, like the other thing about uh, the Alabama game is that like nothing other than the possibility that Malcolm Dandridge is now going to be out for an extended period of time with his left ankle uh, that he, that he appeared to sprain. Uh, that Penny said he sprained, um, you, you didn't walk out of there really any worse for wear. like it, it, it didn't hurt your, your, I mean, certainly winning would have been tremendous, but losing didn't
1: by beating Auburn, you took a lot of pressure off yourself and needing to win that game. You just needed you know, to get one of those games and you did. Well, and
0: I talked about with this with you on your uh, radio show just a couple of weeks ago or maybe I was talking about it with Jeffrey what the ideal scenario would be in this four game um we're not counting Vandy we're talking about the Ole Miss, Auburn Alabama and Texas A&M stretch uh like what the like what constitutes um success like what you know what's you know reasonable expectations and all that stuff and I, I think the three of us agreed that two and two would be fine. Three and one would be great. Obviously, four and zero oh would be you know you'd be over the moon. But, uh, you know Memphis should be favored on Saturday to beat Texas A and M. They're they're coming home. Texas A and M isn't quite as doesn't appear at least quite as tough a matchup as um, Alabama or, or as Auburn and certainly Alabama as well. So um i mean there's a very distinct possibility that memphis is three and one after this uh after this four-game stretch and you know anybody who who was thinking about it uh before it got started i think everybody would take three and one
1: absolutely and i gotta get this off my chest about last night because i like this come on yeah well like a lot of people are harping on and like look they didn't shoot threes very well they you know If Keontae Kennedy doesn't hit that three with 0.6 seconds left, they don't hit a three in a game for the first time since 2001. Um, And they did go four of 13 on layups in the first half. And what's that? Brutal. Yeah, it was brutal. It wasn't great. But I don't think that's what lost him the game. What lost him in the game is that Alabama scored 91 points. This team is not equipped to score that many points. The fact that they were in the game when Alabama scored 91 points is like, honestly, a credit, like a credit to what they were doing offensively. They went, I I checked it. They were, they shot 50% from the field in the second half, Jason, even though they were one of 10 from three point range, they were 20 of 32 from two point range, including 13 of 17 on layups. Um, This thought that, like, yeah, I guess, yes, there was a huge discrepancy in three-pointers. Alabama hit 10 and Memphis hit one. Bama basically shot, like, what its average is for the season. And that was, a like, but I look at it from the defensive perspective of, you know, they didn't play a great defensive game in that game. And as I mentioned earlier, the formula is if Kendrick Davis is healthy If DeAndre Williams is on the court and if you play good defense, this team is going to be real good. Well, you played the number four team in the country, lost by three points, and two of those three things didn't really happen. DeAndre Williams didn't stay on the court, fouled out again, and he didn't really play great defense. Um, And I think it's an anomaly. Like, I think they'll play great defense moving forward, you know. I don't think that was like – I didn't see, like – I didn't get the sense Bama, like, figured something out as much as, you know, Memphis lost some shooters in the second half, especially. Um, and um, I, I just pushed back on this, like, oh, if they could shoot, blah, blah, blah. It's like they scored 88 points. What the problem well, was they, gave, they, 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 they lost track of three-point shooters, and they gave up 40 free throws to Alabama. They couldn't guard well, them without fouling that's what i was going to
0: say is you know anybody who's who's harping on the uh the 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 missed bunnies in the first half and the the struggles from three-point shooting from three-point line is is really doing themselves and and everybody else a disservice by ignoring the 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 free throw the free throw situation that 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 happened last night. I mean,
1: and, and I'm I, sure there's some people listening going, "It was cause the refs stunk. I'll be honest. You can believe that if you want, like, I'm not telling you you're wrong. I'm just telling you when I watched the game, there was not really like, did the refs miss some calls? Sure. But refs miss calls every game. I think they miss calls on both sides. I didn't I never, I didn't really come away from that game going. The officiating was a problem, even though, Alabama got 40 free throws, but that's just me. I'm not saying, but if other people, other people may have watched it differently and thought something different, I didn't come away going. That was one sided officiating that caused that.
0: Yeah. And I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna like take a side necessarily. I mean, like kind of like you, like it's, I think it's a little, you know, it could be some of both. If you think that the officiating stunk, that's fine. If you think that, Memphis couldn't guard without fouling. That's fine too. But I think it's apart from all of that, it's always, it's all it's, it's. I think in my opinion, it's almost impossible to win when one team makes more free throws than the other team even attempts. And Alabama made 29 free throws and Memphis even only attempted 25. Like that, that, is usually a very, very bad formula. Uh, It doesn't, it doesn't usually work out uh, for you. And I think, uh, yeah, like, I I just think you're, you're sort of like, it, it wasn't that they went cold in the first half that, that, you know, you hit two more three pointers late and, and then you still went one for 17 in the first half and one at number four, Alabama, and you put up 90, 90 plus points. And yet you still went one for 17 from the floor, from the field in the first half. Like that's not the, the smoking gun, if you will, it, it, it's, it's, there's a few other things that I, that I think um were, were more significant than that.
1: No. And among them, I mean, you mentioned, I, I want to go through one bad thing and one good thing. You mentioned the Malcolm injury situation. That's going to be, um that's gonna be something they're gonna have to overcome. I I suspect they're gonna, you know, yeah, like Chandler Lawson will still be in the starting lineup, but I suspect they'll do what they were doing increasingly anyways the last two games, go small with DeAndre at the five, um, play McCadden at the four, or maybe Keontae Kennedy at the four, just go small. Um, but that's gonna put even more pressure on Malcolm or excuse me, on DeAndre Williams to stay out of foul trouble. He fouled out of two straight games. It didn't cost him against Auburn. It did against Alabama, just like it did in that Seton Hall game in Orlando. Um, you know, I, I, I part of me says he's, you know, I, I wrote in my comments he's too old for this ass, you know, to quote Danny Glover. But at the same time, it's like this is just kind of who he is, unfortunately. He's not able to grow out of this. He just commits a lot of dumb fouls. Um, but – you know with a team like this that is really good but also has a pretty small margin for error personnel wise like you know it's going to be very hard if he's not playing like he's got to figure this out um yeah. or it's going to limit where this team can really go this season yeah they they it's just going to be it's very difficult to win when he's on the bench cuz i think when he is playing he's playing the best basketball of his career right now
0: no doubt no doubt. The, I mean, that fast break <laughs> poster, one-handed poster dunk um, early in the second half last night, like, like he is moving. On Brandon so, Miller, too. Yeah, like he is just moving so much better. And it's not even about the production necessarily. He's just, he just looks like he feels better than he has felt since he got to Memphis. And, um, yeah, like. I mean, you know, and truthfully, if he cannot overcome his uh, struggles, you know, sort of keeping himself out of the, uh, you know, like uh, out of the referee's focus, then it's going to be, you would think,
1: uh, K.O.'s, um, you know, going to have I don't to be think I don't think Penny trusts K.O. Every time oh, he I talks about him, the vibe I get is Penny does not trust that guy. Not yet.
0: So, but- but what's the what's the alternative? Like if if, you know,
1: like, I mean, it'll I be know. interesting to see what the situation is with Jamar Young, the other SMU transfer. Um, Penny mentioned on the radio broadcast after the game that they're basically they're trying to figure out if because he's going to he's eligible technically um, after the first semester. But now, they're trying now. to figure out
0: what now, like the first semester's over.
1: Well, that's what they, he said on the broadcast, on the radio broadcast, what he was going to figure out today is, does that mean he's eligible the moment the first semester ends? Or does that mean he's eligible once the next semester starts? They're still, I well, think, trying, trying to figure that out.
0: Well, my understanding, and I wrote this um, a little while ago, is that he, I mean, and, and I guess things could have changed. Maybe they got a different interpretation or... Something, but I was told by uh, someone uh, inside the program recently that um, they have to get a waiver. He has to get a waiver in order to play this Mm -hmm. season because he did not enter the portal until after the May first deadline. You gotta, you gotta enter the portal before May first in order to be eligible immediately for the
1: next season, or else.
0: Yeah, or else it's just like every other. So Um, now we're
1: going to go through another waiver situation with him.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I was told less than a week ago that they hadn't even submitted it yet. So, um, oh boy. Again, maybe, maybe the person that I spoke to had a misinterpretation of the situation, or, or maybe, uh, SMU signed the runoff waiver or something like that. I'll check on it. But, um, yeah. It was my understanding. Yeah, I'm just
1: relaying what Penny seemed to yeah, indicate uh, on the post-game radio show. So, right, right, um, right. yeah, that'll be um, very interesting because I think, you know, they need – I think, you know, as long as Mal comes out, I think they need another body down there. Um, you know, they could really use his – I'm not sure he's going to be some, you know, difference maker, so to speak. But th- I think they need some – you know, they could use the minutes. Um, but, yeah, you're. I think you're right. You want to – you'll go small – but ultimately, yeah, is probably going to have to get some more time um, than he has been getting. Um, that's for sure. Now, the good news is they did get some positive news on the waiver front with DeMarie Franklin. He made his debut against Alabama last night. Um, I thought made a pretty good first impression, especially there late. You know, almost, you know, trying to will Memphis, uh, you know, into a kind of a— you know, sort of made things he he made Alabama nervous there late a little bit with Kendrick out and DeAndre out. Um, and uh, he hits that if he hits that three in the corner, they're only down two with twenty seconds to go. And suddenly, uh, you know, you're you're you're, you're talking about a, a bunch of freshmen at Alabama having to make some free throws to close it out would have been interesting. But nonetheless, I thought a very favorable first impression, what did you think of what you saw from DeMarie Franklin and and sort of what he can add to this team moving forward, Jason?
0: I mean, there's a lot of potential there. I mean, yeah, there were a few bonehead mistakes. I think what he stepped on the three point, he was getting like he was wide open. If I remember how the sequence played out, he was he he like found himself wide open, he tried to set his feet, ended up putting his heel on the uh on the line and and turned the ball over. There was there was like a fast break situation where he was trucking and I think he even was going too fast for himself. And that was one of the layups they missed in the first half was him just sort of getting too far out ahead of his skis. Um, You know, I think there was a turnover I think uh, that was pretty costly in the second half, but overall, you know, he scored what he was, he scored six points in a 13 second span also had an offensive rebound in that span also had a missed three-pointer in that span like he was all over the place like he just strapped the team to his back when Kendrick Davis went out um, with his with his latest ankle tweak and uh, and said let's let's go you know like he he uh he lost the nerves the nerves were gone and it really reminded me I did an interview with his high school coach back in October when I was like, Thinking, I needed to have the You know, I, I felt like I needed to have an interview ready for when he, uh, for when you know whatever got approved or whatever. And he had a really good quote that I thought played out perfectly <laughs> um, in the game last night. It's kind of long, but I'll read it to you. It says, "The thing I'll say about Mars, they call him Mars, is in those big marquee games, he always showed up and he always produced. I've been doing this a long time." You know, 30 points isn't always 30 points. A guy goes out and scores 30, and you win by 27. I don't know. It's not as impressive. But you're playing against a seventh-ranked team, and you're on the road, and you're chasing eight points, and Mars goes on a quick little 8-0 run to finish the game with guys draped all over him. He just had a knack for hitting big shots and had a desire to take them. And uh, like what we saw in that last 30 seconds from him, that's a pretty good summation of, uh, you know, it matched up pretty well with what his high school coach told me.
1: Yeah. Yeah, no, it was, uh, it feels like, especially once we get to conference play, he'll just add another, I don't, you know, he's not going to be some cure all, you know, he, he's not the some great shooter it looks like or anything like that, but it does feel like he's going to add another dimension of playmaking to their offense. Another guy who can go create a shot or create for someone um and that I think will be very valuable. And then defensively he look it defensively and on the glass, he looks like a guy who can really compete athletically as well. Um so I uh I, yeah,
0: just, I, I was
1: encouraged he, by what I saw.
0: Yeah, he just he just makes for a more dynamic, you know, attack. Uh like you can do more things by having him in the mix. And I mean I don't know if, I don't know, like Elijah McCadden had the best game of his season. I don't know if that is because Damari, maybe, you know, I don't know. Is it because Damari Franklin was on the floor and it sort of opened some things up for Elijah McCadden? I don't know. We'll see. Um, so, it, yeah, like I, I do think that he makes them significantly better.
1: Yes. Um, so let's wrap it up with this. They close out this tough SEC stretch with the game at home against Texas a and and m like, you know, several teams on this schedule, unfortunately, not quite as good as you thought they were going to be. They're 6-3 and three right now. Um, they uh, have losses to Murray State on a neutral floor, and Murray State's not nearly as good as last year. A lopsided loss to Colorado on a neutral floor, um, and a loss – to Boise in Fort Worth uh a couple weeks ago, lost by 15. They are coming off a win over Oregon State at home. Um they uh it's uh it's an int- you know, it's a Buzz Williams coach team. So he, you know, he is a good coach and the his teams tend to get better as the year goes along. But, you know, it's a game, you know, I think at this point. You know, I'm not saying, like, you lose the game and, and suddenly your NCA hopes are in jeopardy, but it would take some steam out of your sails um, if you were to lose this game, given the way they played against Auburn and Alabama. I think at this point, it's a game you, you know, you expect them to win. I mean, Ken Baum's got them as an eight-point favorite in this at home. Um, but I just think it's not, not necessarily going to be some resume booster, big time resume booster, although I think it'll be a solid win at the end of the year. But again, I just feels like momentum-wise to feel, you know, if you win this, I think you feel really good about what you did in non-conference play.
0: Yeah, yeah, right. No, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's not a, as you said, it's not a must-win by any stretch of the imagination, but, but, um, you you just it just puts a nice bow on a really really um, solid early season stretch. I mean, you know, like that's that's you know we can say what we want about what whether you know Texas A and M is up or down or you know who who's up and who's down, but um, I, I believe that you know when when the when the committee is meeting and having discussions uh you know they're 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 putting things together and they're comparing different things i still think that wins over uh you know like major programs uh major conference wins and what you did against uh, those type of teams um counts still counts and still matters and so for that reason um that reason you know you, you definitely want to you definitely rather win saturday than
1: than, than not. yeah yeah and then they'll close things out with uh tony madlock's alabama state team which i believe only has one win so far this year maybe you know it'll be an opportunity to you know i wouldn't i would maybe think about resting kendrick davis in that one you know get him like 10 days off so to mm-hmm. speak. Um him 10-12 days off to rest that ankle that he keeps tweaking. Uh, I don't think that'd be the worst thing in the world. Um, but first you got to get through AM. So uh exciting times for Memphis basketball. Um looks like they're poised to have a great season um despite that loss to Alabama. Um so uh make sure you're checking out commercialpeel.com uh, Jason will be chronicling everything. I'll be down, I'll be down at FedEx forum for the A&M game. I'll have a column out on that. Um, so make sure you're checking out that, uh, and, uh, we will, uh, potentially join you next week. One last time before the holidays, or maybe not. Um, we'll see if not happy holidays, Merry Christmas, all that. And then some, um, till next time I was Mark, that was Jason. Thank you so much. And, uh, Head on down to FedEx Forum for that A and M game. This team deserves your support.
0: The Tiger Basketball Podcast is a production of the Commercial Appeal.